right, Mr. Mel. We're uh, off and racing and cooking with gas. I think this is like episode number 21. Oh, yeah. That's not bad. Of Chronicles on the Fly. How's your week been? Oh, it's uh, flying past, to be honest. It's been pretty busy, as always, you know, in the uh, accounting finance industry. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, sounds exciting. Let's get into that. Not. All right. What are we going to talk about today? Main one that we have uh, been kind of uh, chatting about this morning before the podcast was uh, the ADF, Australian Defence Force, war crimes saga going on at the moment. Yeah, like I said to you, I didn't really, I didn't hear the whole full 100% story. I've only had little bits and pieces and I just tried to do a little bit of reading before. I don't think anybody's read uh, or is full bottle on what's uh, what's going on, but from the snippets and bits and pieces and things on the radio that I've heard, my God, sickening. Tough one. It's a very, very tough one. You've got to be careful before we start judging. And I, I mean, it's what they say has happened is pretty disgusting. We have to admit that, but we don't know the full intersanctum. We're not part of the, the privy. And, and to be honest, half the report's been redacted anyway. So. Yeah, that's yeah, but I think that what has come out, there's enough to show uh, that you know some of the things that they have been accused of doing or allegedly have done is, is pretty sickening and definitely you know in the war crimes category. And you know, and we had a uh, a regular listener send us a message earlier to say you know that uh, should you know we should talk about this on the podcast. So that's what we're doing. And also said that maybe the it shouldn't become public. I think it should be public though, because at the end of the day, these guys are on our payroll, and I equate it in some sense, at least, to politicians being on our payroll. Right now, fair enough, we don't need to know all the ins and outs of their missions. And, you know, when they go to you know wars and you know whether it's wars or peacekeeping duties or whatever they do, right? But when something like this comes out, then I reckon we need to know. Now, some of the things that I've been, you know, reading and hearing is that, I mean, I suppose it comes down to their, their, the macho culture is like, you know, as well. But anyway, regardless of that, just the, the crimes in general that, that have been alleged, like, like blooding, blooding games. So new recruits being forced to uh, do an ex- execution style kill whether that's of prisoner of prisoners or or citizens or whatever, it, it's it, it doesn't matter. Two kids had their, sl- their throats slit. Allegedly, or allegedly, of course. People kicked off kicked off cliffs, whether they were alive or, or dead already. I'm not sure, but this is sickening stuff. And then what they would do is plant things on their body, like guns or bombs or whatever, to fake that they had killed. You know, someone in uh, you know dissidents or whatever you want to call them, or had been attacked by them, and it's just it's just gross. And to think that, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are over there in our name, on our behalf. So I think that that needs to be public. They need to be, they need to be trialed, and if found guilty, put away for a hell of a long time, and made an example of, and reparations to the reparations to the families of those people that. You know, to the victims, the victims' families. Like the Australian government has selected these people to do the most horrendous or the most difficult things, and yet they complain that they've done the most difficult things. Now, we don't know. Now, if they shouldn't commit war crimes, but maybe that's the way that they've been trained, we don't know. 
I can't imagine that they've, they've been trained to do that, okay? I can't imagine that these orders like this come from, from top brass sitting behind a desk. We can't answer that. That's what I'm saying. I, can't, I haven't read the report. You know, soldiers gone rogue out in the field. Mm. Surely. Yeah, okay. Again, we we haven't read read the report, and are we are we going through sit through you know hundreds of pages of report? Of course not. But what comes out is enough to know that this shit stinks to high heaven, and uh, it's got to be cleaned up. Well, if that's the case, I'm sure there'll be a military police investigation, and we can make our comments. Well, a lot of judgment will happen after that because at this stage, everything is alleged. So that's what we can say. Okay, another thing uh, happened this week is uh, your favourite politician and mine, Mr. Mark McGowan, Premier of the country of Western Australia, <laughs> has uh, helped. <laughs> fuck, I can't believe this. Has helped out the Belcada Labor Ward in their election campaign by signing a T-shirt that said "Locals Only," mm. and uh, that was uh, offered up for raffle. Five dollar raffles on the on the Belcada members uh, web page and, and I think Facebook page mm. to raise money for his election campaign. Now this just goes back to what we've been saying for a number of weeks about uh, McGowan that his "us versus them" rhetoric is is absolutely sickening. We're supposed to all be in this together, but, you know, locals only. So no one else is allowed in, in other words. It all goes back to his border closure, right? It's taking the piss. It is. It's laughing about the border closures and trying to make money from it as well. Yes. And Can you believe um, – who the hell would have given the tick of approval for this type of – That was a uh, PR disaster comp- meme, Competition. You know? PR disaster, all right, because they, they had to pull it because of the, the backlash from uh, – not just social media, but just in you know the public in general. Yeah, how do heads not roll over something like that? But 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 this is my point. Going back to um, the Stockholm syndrome, um, right? And then there's some people saying, "Oh, just get over it. It's a joke. It's a joke." And it's like, hang on a minute. Number one, he's a South New South Welshman, so don't tell me you're local. You're not local. All right, that's the first thing. I'm still yeah. I still harp about that. You know, he's not West Australian. I don't care what he says. He's not a West Australian. He's lived, lived all his life, junior life in in in, uh, in New South Wales. So he's not a West Australian. Can't claim. He can't. Who's going to claim that? Us versus them. But anyway. Yeah, and but I suppose other- being the premier of a state, just on that there, like being the premier of a state, there can't be a restriction that you have to be West Australian born. No, 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 to no, 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 be the premier that, but, of, of no, Western no, but, Australia. But, but but he's alienating the rest of the country when he's one of them. That's what I'm saying. Well, now you're putting us and us and them. No, no, but I'm saying we're all Australian. But the, well, my point is, he's all of Australian. Course. Yeah, he's the. So we are all Australian. That's what I'm saying. Like I got an Australian passport. That's why I look. I don't. Yeah. I don't pay state for income tax, do I? Do you? I don't. No one does. No. Well, that's so, right. So he's. It's a, It's offensive to. It should be offensive to to Australians Australian. that you yeah. know you would you would run this. Locals only type of thing, joke basically. It's a you know joke T-shirt up for a raffle. Absolutely taking the Mickey out of the fact that he's closed the border all this time, and uh, other states, you know, people living in other states are not allowed in. And then I, then I hear people on the radio. I was listening to the radio that day. It made me a little bit frustrated. There's an old lady called Barbara. Her name was Barbara, 
And she Bob. said, Bob from the Burbs. Bob, yeah, Bob, Bob from the Burbs. And old, she was a uh, retired lady living at home, pensioner. And she's complaining that us young, old young, duck purple hair and yeah, us younger curls. generation they have not taken enough sacrifices because why should she be locked up you know, if, if the virus comes in? So she wants the border shut. I went, well, 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 eh? This is this is it, right? So the fear mongering that McGowan and he, and his government have done has been spot on, right? Oh, 100%. because they know governments know this works. It does, right? Instill the tiniest bit of fear. Not only will your base run with it, but even staunch liberal voters are going to be voting for McGowan no, because they think he's done a good job. The same job that any of us could have done, right? We could have anybody could have just shut down the borders. Yes, that's right. Correct. But it takes a true leader to do it in a nuanced way, right? Doesn't it? Didn't need to be this long. It didn't need to be this this harsh. There are there have been cases for people to come back, with, and they were not allowed to. Compassionate cases ignored. All right. This is what a fascist dictator does. Not a compassionate leader. Yep. And I've said it before. You know my feelings towards the whole situation. I think it's uh, we're we're a country. We should we should look at this as a country situation. But anyway. But people have not realised that. He is not being a compassionate leader. He's being a hard nut to, to get votes. People are not paying attention to the fact of, of the way he's been acting, the, the words that he's been saying. People have gone along with the us versus them. They love it. Western Australians love the parochialism bullshit. Okay? It is just like what it is, what I can equate it to is – in footy, as footy fans, right? There are so many people out there that like that support and follow both Fremantle and the Eagles against all the other teams in 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 the state uh, in the country. You, you hear it all the time, you know. Oh, I'm an Eagles fan, but you know, I don't mind the Dockers, you know, especially if they're playing against the Victorian team. What is that shit? What is that shit? Seriously. It's not Western Australia versus the rest of the country, whether it's sport or whether it's anything else, politics. But that's the way people think. And that comes from the top down. That comes from the top down. It comes from from political leaders down. That mentality has been instilled. And I don't know I don't know so much if that exists in other states. I don't think so quite as much because the, those Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, they're more connected right, over on the eastern seaboard. But here, because of our isolation, it's isolationist thinking. It's yeah. fucked up. And it's why they, they say that we're, you know, two or three hours behind but 30 years behind, okay, because it's so true. I know where you're coming from. It's just uh, I think he's, he's, uh, the Premier has played to his base and he's played – He's played in in general. But that's what I mean. He's played to his base. He's played to his base, but it's worked for, uh, you know, li- liberal voters as well. Mate, it's worked for every voter. Forget about just liberal. Liberal, national, sporting shooters, you name it. It's, it's worked for everybody. The Greens. But he's, uh, but he's yeah, definitely, um, he's, he's attracted a lot. I mean, I know some, even speaking to some farmers, they reckon he's done a good job. And Jesus. <laughs> even though they should, they should be, you know, one of the first ones affected by border closures. No, but about the virus, keeping the virus out. Oh, they're affecting now because they can't get workers. That's that's the other issue they got. 
that's probably a big issue at the moment, especially pickers. They can't get any pickers. I was speaking to another farmer there. He reckons he could have lost his worker. So working twice as hard now. No one wants a job because everybody's still getting JobKeeper. A month or so back, my wife's uncle was in hospital. So we were just at the hospital visiting him and uh, talk, having a chat with one of the nurses, male nurse, you know, fairly senior uh, type, of, type of guy. He knew his stuff, been a nurse for many years. And, but they were understaffed and they were clearly understaffed. This was at Fiona Stanley Hospital. And he was telling us people are being offered shifts, so like nurses are being offered shifts, they won't come in. They refuse to do them because they're at home getting JobKeeper. It's a catch-22 with JobKeeper, unfortunately. Uh, the, the concept is really like the, the idea of the actual JobKeeper is actually really good. But, of course, there's going to be people who abuse the system. And I've had the, the, the comments come to me saying, why do they pay this and why are they paying seven fifty? Why don't, If someone works this much, it's like they've just picked the number, the, the medium wage, and just ran with it because they've had to do it for everyone this wage and that wage and drop this, this one means 200, this one's 400, this one's 600. It would have been an accounting nightmare, an accounting nightmare. You know, it's, it's hard enough for us accountants at the moment. Everything's JobKeeper, 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 and then you're going to lump that on us as well. Jesus. Easy, does it? Turning our uh, attention to footy yes. briefly. Yes. Did you see, I was pretty disappointed this week to see that uh, Lewis Jetta has been Cut from the Eagles, not offered a new contract. I was a bit surprised with that. Um, but um, two things. One, the AFL in their conduct in announcing the, the total player payments and the total list size has been pathetic. How can you go and have an AFL draft without knowing how many players you're going to have on your list? It's a joke. Yeah. This competition is actually a joke. And if someone from overseas looked at this competition, they would laugh at us. It's like... Do you call that a draft? Like you don't even know how many people go in your team. How are you going to draft? <laughs> what do you mean? How, how much are you going to pay him? So how do you know you're going to sign this guy on a contract? How much are you going to pay him? Yeah, he's been uh, in left in limbo for probably about two months. And it's not just him. There's, there's three players that have been left in limbo. There was Jeddah, there was Archie, and there was uh, Hutchings. Hutchings, yep. But Jeddah, I mean... <sighs> I just, I just that left me flat. That that announcement of of Jetta. I mean, I know he only, he only, he only, because of injury mainly, only got six games in uh, this this year, this season part just passed, and then you know having the injury time out, other people took his, other players took his spot. You're going to tell me, 31 years old, you don't have anything more to offer? Yeah. So I'm sure some other club's going to pick him up, but geez, what a player! What a play. You know, when he first came to the Eagles, had a couple of seasons where he just did nothing, right? He, he just couldn't, didn't find his feet. But then when he got going, man, he was my favorite player to go and watch live. Not a lot about him. He was clean. He got, his kicks were precise. You know his I mean? kicks. Best I've ever, ever, ever seen in the AFL. Such precision kicks. You know, he could hit, could hit a 20-cent piece from 50 meters away. Honestly, just magical to watch. Will Schofield, what did he say? He was probably one of the best players I've ever seen played with. That's a big comment. He said that he is, yeah, that's a big call, but, but he said that he's the best player that he's ever played with, yeah. And he's played with a lot of great yeah. players. I mean, you think about it, right? You're a player on, on the footy field and you get delivery like that, service like that on your chest, running into space, 
and he's he's spraying passes like that, so accurate. <laughs> I'm not surprised he's uh, he he thinks you know Schofield thinks that way. What a player! I just love to watch him. Unless they've done something and give him a job as an in in the actual in the well in in the club, you mean? Yeah. Well, the statement that the Eagles made was "thank you for your service," basically. So a player, yeah, but it doesn't mean necessarily. Yeah, of a player, but normally if there's something, you know, something beyond footy that they're offering them, they there's talk about that. But I think I think there was know, talk he's, about he's 31. That. He's probably going to go and play another couple of years somewhere else. There was talk about it that he was going to have another. Yeah, and if he wants to stay in WA, you never know. He might end up at the Dockers if they're after him. Who knows? No, I think the Dockers are a different stage Hope in not. their football career. So in their football path, their journey. But he was just a real, you know, the character of the team. Yeah. I reckon I reckon there'd be a lot of um, Eagles players got to be very disappointed about not having him there anymore. There were a lot of tweets that were pretty – I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I actually liked him. I reckon he was good. And uh, I reckon he was – yeah. I, but the Eagles had done that too. They did it with um, – was it a couple of years ago? They did it with uh, Sharon Wellingham. Who else did they do it with? They did it – well, they just cut him. I was like, man. You can't look. That's a difficult comparison. I'm think about over the the history of the Eagles. How many like decorated players, decorated veterans have they cut and not let them go out on their own terms? Oh, Matthew, Is that that's. Matthew I mean, I'm sure it's happened. I can't. Oh, Prudus. Who else? Prudus. Was he? Didn't he just retire? Well. Was he not offered a, a new contract? Well, there was talk about him. Remember, they were talking. I don't know, but probably. Well, my my uh, my my interpretation at that time was that probably he was. I wouldn't say pushed out, but like basically said, there's up and coming players. You know where you're going to fit. Because remember, so Mitchell pretty much left, given no given no Mitchell, choice. Was that so. at that time Mitchell? So Mitchell came in for a year, and then they got rid of him. They got rid of what's his name as well. Mitchell was retiring. He was he was at the end of his career, even though he was still a still a gun. That's what I'm saying. He still probably had a year or two. You know what I mean? And even what's his name? Was the other yeah. the, the Ruckman there? Even though they got him over from from North Melbourne, Petrie. Oh, Petrie, Drew Petrie, yeah, yeah. He played a season, but uh, that's that's there's. I'm sure there was a. There probably has been. Or oh, didn't they do that to Worsfold when when he was captain? Yeah. Okay. Great example, actually. Yeah, Malthouse just uh, annihilated Westworld. Yeah, yeah, yeah it no. was a, a finals match against Carlton, wasn't it? Yeah. Drop from the team. Drop from the team. Wrong choice. Wrong choice. Even even if he wasn't in the best, say, you know, twenty two at the time, eight, best eighteen or twenty two form, <laughs> it's the psychological factor. Hundred percent. What? How that would affect other players, 100%, 100%. right? He's your club leader. He's your captain. You need. You want him on the park. That's it. Right, and even even if he's not. Playing at his at his peak, his presence is too big to let him go. Mm. Right, especially going into at such short notice, going into a finals match, and they lost it, didn't they? They lost that game. But like um, the other one was Jetta. What I do like about him was I go back to the eighteen grand final when three quarter time Ryan had a bit of a shocker in the third term, you know, and then was that three quarter time? It was a three quarter time or half? Whatever was it when he no. It was, it was a three-quarter time when he put his arm around him. He put his arm around Liam Ryan him, because little... Ryan had backed out of a, a yeah. challenge. Yeah. Gave him the old, you know. And what happened then? Yeah, exactly. And then Liam Ryan was a big part of that final play that won us the premiership. So you could say, thank you very much, Lewis Jetta. You know, there you go. The rest is history, you know. 
It's all those small one percenters that I love about sport. Mm. You know what I mean? Things that don't really get reported on because they're not a stat or they're not, you know, they're off the play. Mm. But those little things, the small psychological things or mm. I, I love that. All right. That's that what that's what makes sport beautiful. Yes, yes. Team sport. Team sport yeah. beautiful. Um it's the the one percenters. You're hundred percent right. And another kick another thing about, you know, Jeddah leaving the Eagles that I that I thought was a real kick in the guts was that it was announced a couple of days ago on the same day that the Eagles released online, because they've been oh, doing yeah, it on the, social media, that uh, Friends Family Flags yeah. uh, series about the 2018 season. Yeah. And when on the same day they released the grand final episode. Yeah. was the same day that they announced that, that thanks very much, Lewis Jetta. I was like, oh, what a kick in the guts. <laughs> mm. You know, what I mean, I mean, it's a small thing, and you know, hardly anyone probably would have picked up on that, but I did. Yeah. And and obviously, it wasn't an int- wasn't intention intentional, but I just thought, ah, that just doesn't sit well with me. What's your oh, that's the the COVID vaccines? I wanted to talk about that. What are your thoughts? Two vaccines, apparently. Very suspect the timing of uh, at least the first announcement by Pfizer. You know, a week after the election. You're going to tell me that they didn't have keep that up their sleeve? Oh, yeah. Apparently, um, Trump administration had given them over a billion dollars. Yeah. To uh, to develop a vaccine, I think that's uh, what I saw. Yeah, like Pfizer, like Pfizer needs more money because they got. I'm sure they're really short of a dollar that one. But um, would you line up and uh, have a vaccine? Uh, nope. I'm in WA. We got closed borders, so I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I wouldn't go first. I wouldn't go first, but I'd definitely line up to have one. But you know what is going to happen? I don't think the government's going to force you. Because no. there's all this talk now about, you know, whether whether there's going to be forced vaccinations. I don't think the government government will need to enforce it. Because because no, because companies will enforce it. No, no, it's going to be. It's going to be jab, jab to play. No, no, it's going to be. This is what I reckon. I reckon your insurance companies are going to force you because one way or another, they're going to turn around and say, you want to go on a holiday to Bali, all right? You need travel insurance. This is what I mean. Your travel insurance is going to say, have you had the COVID-19 vaccination? Yes or no? No, you're not getting insurance. Yes, I'll get insurance. That's it. So they're going to force you one way or another. Everyone's going to get it. That's what I think. Yeah. And it's in the it's in the it's in the interest of the uh, of the of the insurance company to put that clause in. That's part of what I mean by companies and corporations enforcing it, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. And also, you're not going to be allowed to enter certain venues if you you know if you haven't got some digital certificate showing that you've had the vaccination. Things like this, right? Concert venues, for example, perfect perfect example. I think that this eventually will creep in. And what is this? This is a corporatocracy. This is the the new world uh, that's coming. The new coming. normal. This is the new normal. The word of twenty twenty. The new normal or ISO. They're the words of twenty twenty. And with that stuff, it makes you wonder how much this was planned and designed. No, I don't believe that. Just ah, oh, come on. To some extent, or at least, or at least the situation taken advantage of. 
Well, there's definitely that. There's definitely they're different, definitely taking advantage of. We're not don't deny that one. It's an excuse now. Eric's COVID this and COVID that, COVID safe. I'm I'm just curious what's going to happen with travel. I think long term it'll all get back to normal because you can't lock people up forever. Short term, it's going to, everyone's going to be wearing masks and doing all that sort of crap until they just say, "Like, really?" Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be. You know, when did all this start? Really, in Australia, it kicked March. off around March, towards March. towards the end of March, I think. Yeah. Um, it'll be a good two years before things go back to normal. I reckon. So I reckon all of pretty much all of next year as well. Yeah, well, and there'll be little spot fires here and there of breakouts and things like that. Well, like, you know, happened happen in Adelaide during the week. Yeah, well, see, see that, that's, uh, do you see that? The lockdown's been lifted. Yeah, it got lifted early because apparently some, I don't crap. know the full story, but but some guy who had it uh, misled them or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how he misled them. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Did you did you read about that? No, I was just, uh, I did read something about, was that the pizza shop or something? Woodville Pizza, he said he was there. Pizza worker maybe or something. I don't know. I don't know how he misled the contact traces. I don't – I couldn't quite work out um, exactly what the story was there, but uh, I saw a bit of the press conference by the Premier. Um, What's his name? Marshall? Steve Marshall. South Australia. And he was fuming. He was not happy. Oh, was he not happy at his contact traces? No, he was not happy about this guy who misled them. In whatever, in however he's misled them, yeah. because that was what they used as the reason to um, implement the lockdown. But in, in, in Steve Marshall's defence, at least he had the the what's the word, the leadership to say, okay, we made a mistake, shut it down. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. I'll, I'll take my hands off. Dan Andrews didn't do that. Uh, what was McGowan's comment about uh, South Australia uh, having a lockdown, saying you know, oh. Oh, he's a he's a liberal leader, so I bet he won't get as much scrutiny type of thing as as much as Dan Andrews in Victoria got, because yeah. Dan Andrews is Labor, right? But hang on, isn't that a false equivalency? Because South Australia didn't have the uh, security personnel going in and out of the hotel rooms rooting around, did they? Yeah. No, Victoria had that, and that caused a massive outbreak. And and they had the BLM the BLM protest, remember? Ah, exactly. Black Lives Matter protests going on in the cities. Yeah, I'm sure that that caused nothing. Yeah. So just the uh, the, the lack of awareness, the lack of self awareness by by our uh, famous premier drives me insane. Anyway, if we get back to that, we'll spend another hour. <laughs> so let's not. No, it's just, but uh, I think the. Um... I'm just curious because next year, like the years come, like we're almost there. What are we? Forty odd days? Uh, what are we? Close to forty days to the end of the year, and um, yeah. next year. So they postponed the uh, Tokyo Olympics. Well, they're going to start in six months again. Well, the way things are, we don't know. Also, Euro 2020. That's become. You know, that's been pushed the next year too. So. And that's going to be that's not that's not hosted in just one country, that's all across Europe, this time around. So yeah. at the moment they've said that uh, every every venue is remaining, but that that might have to change because if leading up to it, let's say Rome Rome is a city who's hosting a, a you know a bunch of games. If there's a you know continued breakouts in you know virus in Italy, especially in Rome, eh, what are they going to do? Play them behind closed doors? Well, look at 
Look, you think about it, right? You, you think in England, right? They're going to have this where the final's going to be in Wembley, is it not? Yeah, there's both semis and the finals are at Wembley in London. Yeah, so they're at Wembley, right? So chances are, if if it gets hosted with no crowd, England or the UK can't have another Euro final for another forty, is it twenty years or forty years? So why would they want to host it this year? They're not going to have anybody. Well, how can you change? So you know, how can you change the format, the venues, and everything? You know, like at the moment, it's not really short notice. They could probably pull something off. How many countries in the Euro? In the Euro, uh, I don't know, thirty plus. How no, many? No, in the Euro comp, there's not be thirty countries in the Euro. Oh, in the competition, yeah. I think it's thirty-two. In the competition, no, impossible. Let me have a look here. I'll just have a look. That's no, twenty-four teams. There we are. Twenty-four, 24 okay. teams, six group. Okay, now. How's this sound? Does this sound really dumb to you? Just throwing it out, it's never going to happen. If our country and our leaders want to be really ex- – ex- I say, you know what, you can go ahead. You can have full stadiums. You can have two two groups in Sydney, two groups in Melbourne, one in Adelaide, one in Perth. Imagine that. <laughs> what, they move it to Australia? Why not? At least you're going to have crowds. The Euros competition. Well, what are you going to do, Sam? Have not have it? Or have it behind closed doors? It's not gonna get, they're not going to move it to oh, no, Australia, Mel. Where no, are you pulling this from? I'm just saying, like, if you want to be – you can make it attractive to, to some countries, you know what I mean, or have a competition here. You can take advantage of that. We don't. In the worst-case scenario, what they will do is just like they've been running the leagues. Behind closed doors. They'll just do that and just rely on the television income. Uh, sad. Right? They'll lose. They'll lose out on – Revenue, hospitality, fan attendance, mm. but they'll just do, they'll do it all empty stadiums, nah. which will be shit for atmosphere. Absolutely, whether you're playing the game or I mean they're probably used to it by now, to be honest. And and I don't know, maybe have they been putting crowd noise on on uh, on soccer games? Well, I don't know. It was still fake, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not the same. But at the end of the day, is the competition any different? What you lose out is the country, the the teams, the national teams that have uh, home advantage. Like you know, Italy's three group games are all in Rome, with no crowd. That pretty much neutralizes to a large extent the the home venue. Would Would you, as a player, perform better if you had fifty thousand people watching you, or just in an empty space? Yes. Well, yes. With the crowd, yeah, the crowd. Um, that doesn't mean that you're not going to perform right with no no crowd, but. Just I can I can even say from junior soccer days I used to love playing like I was you know I played on either left midfield or right midfield mostly, but I loved it most of all when I was on the side when I played on the side where all the parents were watching yeah. when I was close to them because I could hear them yelling and I I just got more of a buzz playing when I was closer to the crowd mm. yeah that's my point so you know that's. It's the same mentality, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. You know, you want you want that that buzz of the the home crowd behind you for sure. Well, the Olympics are going to be a write off again. The way it's, the way it's looking. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what's what's Japan doing? It's is it in Japan? Japan, yeah, Japan. Yeah, right. It's Tokyo, isn't it? Of course. Um, I don't know. I don't know what their their COVID situation is. Are they going to let people in come in from COVID countries like United States? I'm sure that. That is a big thing on their mind over there, and they're they're planning, you know, not letting anything in. Okay. You think you think the United States team would be what? How many people would come with the United States? Thousand people, at least. 
they're contingent. Yeah, you'd say easy a thousand. Easy, yeah. easy. Well, they got probably four, two. Five, one, probably two thousand people. <laughs> they probably have a thousand competitors. Yeah, a thousand competitors. It's another thousand people, coaches and staff and mass, uh, masseuses and all that crap, you know. And then you have, um, then you have all the media contingency. You're telling me just say three thousand people, four thousand people coming from the United States. No one of them's going to have be in contact with COVID. Ooh, that's a good point. That's interesting. Coming from all around the uh, United States with fucking shamozzle they've got going over there with yeah, COVID. And not to mention the shamozzle from Russia, the shamozzle from China, or no, not so much China because we don't know, but um, Europe, from Italy, from Germany, from France, from England. What are you going to do? What's Japan say? You're not coming. Then we're going to have a problem. I hadn't actually thought about it, but that is a massive. 100,000 people come into Tokyo, mm. right, for the Olympics. Um, at least there's not going to be fans coming in from around the world. I'd probably, I would, I would guess. Um, but what are they going to do? Everyone has to do 14 days quarantine. Yeah. yeah. And so, 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 so you're an elite athlete. You're training two weeks before. You can't train because you're stuck in a room. <laughs> you think about it. You know what I mean? I actually, actually, got to admit, I had not even considered the Olympics. And now that you think about it, how the hell can they go ahead with it? It's going to be a shamozzle. Even what is it? Is it scheduled for July? July, I think it's in July, July, August, somewhere in there. June is June, July, probably. I can't see it because it's not going to be over by then, all this stuff. No, it's impossible. The way, look at the way America's having the, the wave now. There's the, the, they're getting, what are they getting? How many cases a day? What are they get 100,000 cases a day? I mean, the thing about it now is it's, people are not having it for as long and uh, it's not as, it seems to be, anyway, it seems that they're not having it for, for as long. Not as many are dying because they're treating it better. I think obviously over this time they've learnt how to treat it better. Well, there's more respirators, more ventilators. Let's say the Olympics have to be called off. All right, maybe they can push the Olympics to 2022. Maybe. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but how do you push the Euro competition? How do you push the Euros competition to 2022? Because that's when a World Cup is supposed to be played. So that can't be done. It's either next year they do it or they can it altogether. Or maybe they push it to to Christmas time, uh, December or something like that, and put a break in all the leagues, and then six months later have the World Cup in twenty twenty two as well. I don't know. This is a big one. It's crazy. It's, it's it's crazy. I mean, that's just two sporting competitions. Forget about the rest of them. I mean, the other ones aren't as big as those ones, you know. But imagine Qatar. Oh my god, that's what the next World Cup is going to be. I wonder how they're going. <laughs> And look at the, the construction of this, the the stadiums and and all the infrastructure. Yeah, no, at least it'll be nice and hot and kill the coronavirus. <laughs> That's actually very true. <laughs> Even if there's nothing in uh, Tokyo or or Japan, but especially Tokyo, all those people coming in, it's just going to cause it could cause a breakout throughout the whole country. Mm. Can you imagine? Yeah. I'd be I'd be a little bit concerned if there was uh, a big worldwide events in Australia, I think. Well, especially when you're getting that sort of people coming in. It's not as if you're getting – not like the French Open where you're getting 50 players or, you know, 200 players or whatever. You're talking <laughs> – you're talking thousands and thousands of people, you know. An Olympics, a World Cup. I mean, the whole world converges on the country. Even the Olympics, I hardly watch any of it. No, I like the Olympics. Olympics are good. Ah, it's overrated, mate. 
I reckon it's overrated. 100 meters, beautiful. I'll watch that, you know, any day. But apart from that, the weightlifting is awesome. Nah. I like watching the um, the skeet shooting, trapping skeet. Amazing. I reckon it's awesome. Because you don't see half the sports. The hammer throw. Yeah, there's a reason why. The hammer throw, the discus. That's cool, man. That's really the javelin, the high jump. They're all they're all great athletes, but hardly any of this stuff interests me. It's just me. I'm I'm not saying that they're they're not worthy of having an event or not worthy of being sports. It just doesn't really interest me. It used to when I was a kid. I used to love it. I used to love that the World Cup and the Olympics and the Euros would alternate every two years. Uh, you know, and that one year in between where there's nothing that would suck. Yeah. I hated that. Now it's like I don't really care about the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games. I always look at the pole vaulting. Pole vaulting. I think to myself, man, imagine if I did that. How many pole vaults I would snap? <laughs> like, how do they do that? You know, <laughs> I'd snap every one. <laughs> I'd love to see you do a high jump. A high jump? No, nah, pole vault, man. The pole vault. <laughs> or do the uneven bars and gymnastics or the pommel horse. What's the, the pommel horse? <laughs> oh, uh, you'd, be, you'd be good at the uh, rhythmic gymnastics. That's what oh, you'd be yeah. good at. I'd be good at With the, the ribbon and the, be, and the rings and be, the ball, throwing the ball up. I'd be good at the pie in competition, right? That's what I'd be good at. <laughs> The uh, the strongman competition, I think you know they do that in. I think they do it in Scotland. Oh, there's a few. They're all, they're all over the world. That's the. Um, they're amazing. Carry they're the amazing. big tire. Oh, they're they're mate. They're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. They are monsters. Actually, when I was overseas, was it last year? Last year, it was when we could travel. I went to a place in Malaysia, and they had the international arm wrestling competition on. Oh my god! Oh my! You well, you watched it live. No, they'll stay in the same hotel. They all these guys. Honestly, oh. they, they were like you'd see these. They call themselves athletes, right? And that's what they are—they're athletes, right? And um, but they train. They just do, all they do is just arm kills, man. Their biceps are massive. So got tiny bodies and massive arms. No, no, their upper body is just massive, like huge, absolutely huge, absolutely huge. You know, mm-hmm. I actually was there yeah, talking to a few. Uh, I was talking to a few guys there. There's one guy I was talking to. It was a nice guy, a Russian guy. I said, oh, hey, you mate. Yeah, yeah. I said, do you want to buy? I'll buy your beer. No, no, I'm training. I said, oh, it's- Yuri. What was his name? Oh, I can't remember. It was, it was <laughs> like, okay. So he, so he had a so – I said, did, so I said, no, I said, fair enough. Man. It's all good. Next, you know, he lights up a smoke. And I'm like, I thought you said you're training. <laughs> a lot of money in that sport, is there? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It was, they were big boys, man, like big like I ain't exactly the smallest man in the world, but mate, that made me look like a midget. That was huge. Is that a sport? Yeah, it's. Do a, you consider that a sport? Well, I do. Why not? They're using their body for an athletic sort of. Do you consider darts a sport? I was gonna. That was gonna be my next question. No, I don't consider darts a sport. I consider it a skill, definitely. Um. But no, not a sport. What is a professional sport? There's got to be another term for. There's got to be another term for it. But I can't say sport. It's a hobby. Same as uh, billiards or or pool. Yeah, but that people make living. People make living from that. So I get that. I get that. But there's no athletic endurance involved. So I'm sorry. No, no. no with, with the arm wrestling, yeah, absolutely, man. You got to see these guys. They're, mate, when they their arms are massive. You got to see it. it's incredible. They're huge. I can't tell you. Their arms were bigger than my thigh. 
Yeah, okay, but they're roided up, man. Come on. No, apparently not. They're just train hard, apparently. So, oh, of course, of course. It's all those pies they eat. <laughs> those Russian pies. Yeah, but mate, they're monsters. Absolutely, six foot eight. They're huge, huge, huge guys. That was awesome. Awesome to see, actually. And they invited us to the. Um, I met the manager there, the promoter. I was having. I actually got his name number in my phone somewhere. His name might have been Yuri. Yeah, he was actually. Um, he gave me, he invited me to the to the premiere, the, the opening of the night, and he gave us some tickets. I was like, I'm not going to be here. I was, I was leaving. I left that day. So it was a shame. I was I would have gone. It would been good to see, actually. Just to say I went to it. It would have been cool. What about um, going back to the Olympics, uh, synchronised drowning? I mean, synchronised synchronized swimming? That is amazing how they do that, really. you got to give them credit. Is that a sport? Well, they are very athletic. If you use your athletic term, what they're doing is very athletic. Is that a sport? Well, it is. Is that a sport? Yes. It's athletic. By your by your term, is it athletic? Yes. Do you think it's a sport? Um, I'm struggling to articulate this one without offending. Not that I give a shit about offending people. Um, so my answer is obviously clear. I think it's a sport. If you if you if you if you're doing anything athletic, it's a sport. It's it's more it's it's like a it's a presentation. It's a it's a spectacle. But whether it's a sporting endeavor, you know what? When it when it comes to the Olympics, I struggle with everything that is judged. I struggle with other people having to judge who wins. Yeah, but that case, that's gymnastics. What do you do then? Yep, totally. But this is, that's the most famous Olympic sport almost. They are fantastic at what they do, okay? And there's a lot that I like watching about those things, like, you know, the the rings, all right? They're, they're great. The, what's the one with the, the bars on the on the two different levels and they oh, uneven swing and, and jump in the uneven bars? That is amazing, right? That is absolutely amazing. At the end of the day, they are being judged with other people giving them a score. All right, and knowledgeable, knowledgeable people, of course. But when the subject subjectivity comes into it, that's where I struggle with sport. Mm. You know what I mean? So let's take let's take soccer. Right, you have to score the most goals to win. Cricket, you've got to score the most runs. Athletics, running, right? The marathon, you've got to be the fastest to cross the line first. Mm-hmm. Okay, that works for me. Mm-hmm. But the sports where you are judged and other people call the winner because of the scores that that they give, ice skating or figure skating, I just I just struggle giving a shit about them. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Oh well. And some of them are really great sports, right? Um, amazing skill that you know most of us can only dream of of having. I get that, but. You know what I mean? Like, because it's so subjective, you know, how many times would the silver medalist really should have been the gold medalist? I'm sure it happens all the time. Oh, I'm sure it has happened. So this is what I struggle with when it comes to those those judged sports. Maybe there's some ignorance built into those comments in some way, and I can I can concede that. But that's why I just give me give me ball sports, give me running race any day of the week. Nah. I'd probably disagree on that one. I don't mind. Uh, okay, you can disagree. Yeah. What's what's your reasoning? Why am I wrong? Tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. Change my mind. 
I'm not going to change your mind. That's your opinion, but uh... <laughs> hey, you buy it. You know, hey, I'm open minded. Huh? Change my mind. Maybe change my mind. Maybe I'll be watching synchronized drowning in Tokyo. I just think it's an amazing skill. So those people on the uneven bars. I agree with you that it's an amazing skill, but change my mind that that I don't know. Well, <laughs> they are sports, but I don't know. They're just not sports that I can get behind. Boxing a sport by your reason. If you knock the guy out, then yes, it's a sport. If you win on points, it's not a sport. <laughs> no, I'm kidding there. Uh, I'm kidding about that. Um, that's a, that's a, that's an Olympic again. Sport. It's it's the same thing. It's judged. All right. It's not. Yes. If it's a fight to the death, it's more of a sport. <laughs> yeah, it's more would... of a sport. So, so why would not be considered a sport because it gets judged. Most... All right. There's occasions where it's obvious who who wins, but when it's like it's dead even. And then it's judged. And then the, and then the judge's call is disputed. I struggle to – what I'm saying, when I say I struggle, I struggle, I struggle to rationalise it in my mind that the correct decision was made, for example. Well, that's like any sport now, you know. Like look at VAR. Look how many decisions they make supposedly supposed to be right. There was a, one, of the, one of the fights between Muhammad Ali and – Joe Frazier. I can't remember which one, but but Frazier got robbed. Frazier didn't get robbed. Frazier, actually, I was was completely blocked. Was it the thriller in Manila? Was that was that Frazier? Pretty sure it was thriller in Manila. Yeah. Right. Frazier was coming out. Yeah. Rain, hail, or shine. Frazier was coming out for the twelfth round, I think it was, or maybe yeah. it was the fifteenth round. Ali's corner, we're gonna throw in the towel. Correct. Correct. But before it started. The referee called it off because of Frazier, because uh, the doctor called it. The doctor. Oh, the doctor. Okay, okay. And but Ali wasn't coming back out, so he got lucky. Ali got lucky. But he still admits it to this day. He got or to the day he died. But that fight there was a bit. What do you do? The guy wanted to come out. His eye was. Did you see his eye? Yeah, hanging out of his socket. But if he's coming out. Yeah, but Simon's coming out. But <laughs> isn't that there's an element of responsibility too? They had three bouts, right? They had three. They had three fights. Yeah, three. And two. it's two to it, it, two to one to uh, oh, yeah. Ali. Should have been two to one to Frazier, right? So, yes, yes, should have been. Poor Fra- I actually felt sorry for Joe Frazier. He's, he's Joe Frazier was a champion. Was possibly better at that time than Ali. Yes. Well. Again, I'm not a boxing historian, but just from what I've seen. Not either, but just from, from things I've seen and read about, about their rivalry. And what I also hated about their rivalry was that Ali trashed the absolute crap out of him. They called him an Uncle Joe. Called him an Uncle Joe. Um, and he just, and he, Ali, because of his char- charisma, turned the media against Joe Frazier. And Frazier, Joe Frazier resented Muhammad Ali. Forever. For the rest of his days, because of that, yeah, because of the way uh, he he ripped him apart in the media, and unfortunately, the media took this and it showed. And for an actual fact, there was a documentary. It was a fantastic documentary. I got to find it. I can't remember what it was called. I think it might have been an ESPN one. And it actually showed that Joe Frazier would come from the south, grew up a hard life, whereas Muhammad wasn't as you know. Muhammad Ali had the more privileged privileged life. Yeah. But the media spun it the other way around. And he never spoke to the doctor. 
He never spoke to his doctor after that either, honey. That was the last time he spoke to his doctor. All right. Just throw in the towel and uh, I'll see you later on, yeah? Have a good one. I'll see you later on this afternoon. Yes. No, tonight, isn't it? We're going for a drink. Oh, Yeah. All right. Yes. No dramas. I'm not drinking All anyway, right. so I'm a diet. Oh, he's such, such a good boy. I know. <laughs> okay. Right, Adios. Ciao. for anybody. Frazier was within a bunch or two of going down. The doctor comes up and looks at Frazier. I think it's going to be over. It's all over. I'm going to get up in the ring. I'm up in the ring here. And Muhammad Ali is pretty well spent, and I'm going to try to get over at him. We're, we're trying to get in here to talk to Ali, who has retained his title, and I think he needs a little air, because this has to have been one of the most bruising heavyweight championships of all time. Here's Joe Frazier come over to talk to Muhammad Ali. He's disappointed. Muhammad, can you say a word now around the world? Muhammad, I'd like to ask you about the fight. Just, just a question. Did you have any doubt about winning at any time? Well, round 10, I surprised Joe had so much stamina. As surprised as the receiver was. And if I didn't have the condition, I know I would have lost. It was too much pressure. I think he deserved a, a lot of He is the greatest fighter of all times next to me. Thank you very much, Muhammad Ali, and good luck. What do you think now? What's the future? Foreman against George Mark, Foreman. Can you fight the winner? That's right, and then I want to retire. This is too painful. It's too much work. Okay. Might have a heart attack or something. Right. I want to get up while I'm on top. I know you're tired. Thank you again, and congratulations. One more thing. I want everybody to know that I'm the greatest fighter of all times, and the greatest city of all times is Louisville, Kentucky.